Good morning. And I guess I should say Happy New Year because I wasn't with you last Sunday. So Happy New Year as well. We're in this series called Core, talking about the core of who we are. And last week, Pastor Tyler kicked us off really talking about all three of our core commitments, that Jesus changes everything, that we grow better together, and we believe we are called to be the best neighbors. And so he kind of gave an overview, and this week we're going to zoom in next week on the second one and then the third. But, but this week we're zooming in on that first core belief that Jesus changes everything. And when I say that Jesus changes everything, that implies that change is needed, right? To say that that's one of our goals, Jesus changes everything, it means that, well, there's something that's existing, something that's out there that needs to be changed. You've heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I guess that's true when you're talking about some things, you know, if it's purring like a kitten, if it's moving right along, no need to fix it. But the choir just sang the very first line of the choir song, did you hear it? You feel like something is broken. And the choir answered, we do. Something is broken. You know it. You don't need me to explain to you how broken our our world is. My goodness, on Friday, a six-year-old shot his teacher in Virginia. Are you kidding me? We're broken. And you look around at the hurt and and the anger and the angst. People are broken. Our, 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 our society is broken. Uh, the social scientists call this a post-Christian America. And what they mean by that is, is that Christianity no longer influences. Christianity no longer uh, shapes who we are as a people, our culture. And you know that's true. I remember when I first started pastoring, you know, over 30 years ago now, when I tell people I'm a pastor, they instantly uh, gave that some, some respect or whatever. When I said that something was from the Bible, they instantly believed, even if they never went to church, even if they never read their Bible, they said, oh, that's authoritative. No more. You know, people don't care about that anymore. You say the Bible, they say, what's that? Who cares? Our world is broken. People are, are hurting and lonely. Anxiety is up. Suicides are up. Drug use is up. All those things. Church attendance is down. Family's breaking apart. We know it, we know it, we know it. And, and, and we can say, well, the pandemic, the pandemic caused this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this has been going on longer than the pandemic. In fact, way 800 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah said this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own ways. Later, the apostle Paul said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means... We're broken. We're, we're troubled. And I, I'm not talking about just, you know, people out there in the world, the deep, dark sinners, the murderers, the, you know, the, the, the rapists or whatever. No, I mean people that, people that join us online, people that are here sitting in pews. You know it. Look at some of your families and some of the disruption and the trouble. And you think, well... You know, they're in church and they're going through all this stuff. They've got a smile on their face, but inside they're dying on the inside. Again, you don't need me to convince you of that. We believe that Jesus changes everything. That Jesus comes into our broken world and changes 
everything. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it is broke, and we need Jesus. In Jeremiah 10, verse 23, Lord, I know people's lives are not their own. It's not for them to direct their steps. People's lives, so Jeremiah's prayer is twofold. People's lives are not their own. It's not for them to direct their steps. People's lives are not just ours, and it's not for us to direct our steps. We can't get to where we want to get on our own. That's what he's saying. Now, I guess I have a little difficulty with the Hebrew translation here. It's hard to translate. The word peoples, people's lives are not their own, is the, the Hebrew word Adam, which is not just Adam as in male. It's, it's the word for all mankind. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 126. Uh, let us make mankind in our image. That's the word Adam. It means all of us, male, female, everybody, everybody, everybody. And so Jeremiah is saying, generally, people's lives, all of us, we're in the same boat. We're all, we're all in this thing together. But then the, the, he changes. So mankind is a general word, a scopeful scope word. But then in the next phrase, he uses the word for individual, which is ish, I-S-H. So he says, says for it is not for them, it is not for him or her to direct his or her steps. We're all in the same boat, generally, but it's, not, but it's up to us individually to direct to see where we're, where we're headed. The first part of the prayer is general, the second part of the prayer is individual. And, and, the, and the way he uses that, the, the, that phrase to direct his steps, that's a biblical way of talking about moving in the direction where we want to go. Um, it's the biblical way. Remember, you know, uh, the mode of transportation was walking for the vast majority of people. So the way you got from point A to point B is walking. And it just assumes that the Lord is directing your steps. You're moving in that direction. You're not going in circles. You're not standing idly by watching the cars zip around you. You're not running out of gas. You're moving, you're moving, you're moving, you're moving forward. That's the implication with this, the Lord directing our steps. So here's the issue. Generally, we're all in the same boat. That boat is broken. And for us to get to where we want to get, we can't get there on our own. That's, that's the point that Jeremiah is trying to make. Saying we need something other than ourselves. We can't get to where we want to get on our own. It goes back to the lie that the serpent gave to Eve. Remember in Genesis 3, in the, in the creation account, serpent comes to Eve. And remember what, what, what his lie is to her? He said, God knows that when you eat that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve, if you take that fruit, it, then you set your own course. You'll be like, like God, you'll be a self-contained entity. You can do what you want, you can go what you, where you want, no one can tell you what to do or how to do it, it's all up to you. You can choose your own path, you can go your own way, you can do whatever you want to do. It is all up to you, Eve. Just eat the fruit. Does that sound familiar? It should, because that's our culture's message that is being sent out every single day. You can do what you want. 
You can be, as long as you're not hurting anyone, you can do whatever you want, and it's okay, and I'm okay, and you're okay, and we're okay, because you can do anything you want. You're your own person. You can do whatever you want, wherever you want. Just don't hurt anybody else. You can do, you can do, you can do whatever you want. Don't worry about what, what God's word says. Don't worry about any of that other stuff. It's your choice. It's your way. It's your will. Just go out and be happy. But God's word God's word says, wait a minute. That's not the way it works. Our world is broken. And, and the same thing that caused destruction for Eve causes destruction for us. Brokenness, meaninglessness, emptiness, loneliness, depression, anxiety, it's all there. Bob Dylan was right in his song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Do you remember the chorus? It says, you gotta serve somebody. You're gonna have to serve somebody, yes indeed. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. And it's true. We're not, we're, we're not our own, that's what Jeremiah's point is. We're gonna have to serve somebody, whether it's Jesus or, or the enemy of this whole world. Paul, he often referred to himself as a slave to Jesus. In Romans 1.1, he says that he is a slave to Jesus. In Philippians 1.1, he says he and Timothy are slaves to Jesus. So we can either be a slave to Jesus, or what he says in Romans 6 is this. Now don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Dylan was right. You're going to have to serve somebody. Jeremiah was right. It's, 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 we are not our own. We can't get to where we want to get on our own. Our world is broken. And we can't work our way or think our way or scheme our way or dream our way to wholeness. We've bought in, our society has bought into this philosophy of Socrates. They don't even know that it's Socrates, but it's Socrates. Socrates said this. He said, if you look long enough and deep enough inside yourself, then you will find the answer to life's problems. All you need to do is look long enough and deep enough inside yourself and you will find the answer to life's problems. And that is, that's the message of Disney, right? Almost every Disney movie always ends with something like, just follow your heart. If you follow your heart, you'll be okay. Just follow your heart, wherever you're, just follow, you need to look inside and follow your heart. Well, the Bible says you follow your heart, your heart is broken. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It takes, if we're going to get to where we want to get, it takes something other than us to get us there. That's the Bible message. We need Jesus. Jesus changes everything. There's plenty of scriptures that communicate what Jeremiah is trying to communicate, that we are not our own and we can't get to where we want to get on our own. But let me just take one. It's in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, that's the passage where Jesus encounters a man who was born blind. And his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, you know, who sinned, 
this guy or his parents that he was born blind. And before Jesus heals this guy, Jesus says something that often we just skip right over because we want to get to the meat and the juicy part of Jesus healing this guy. But this is what Jesus says at the very beginning of that story in verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, what Jesus is saying here is it is, it is dark. This guy is blind. He is groping in the darkness. And he is kind of the, the generalization of all of us. Our world is broken. We are walking in the darkness. We can't get to where we want to get on our own. And Jesus is saying, you know, and, and in that day and age, of course, there's no street lights. They didn't put headlamps on donkeys when they were plowing the fields. In the dark, you didn't work. You could only work in the daytime. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's, we're all in the dark. You're all in the dark. And the only way out is allowing me to illuminate the path. He said, I am the light of the world. I'm the thing you're, you're, you're needing. I'm the thing you're missing. I'm the light of the world. And this is a common theme through the book of John. It's in chapter 1. It's in chapter 3. It's in chapter 8, 9, 12. It's, it's, Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that can light your path. Apart from me, you're groping in the darkness. Apart from me, you don't know where to go. Apart from me, you can't get to where you want to get. You need me. I am the light of the world, is what Jesus is saying. <sighs> How true it is. We need something from outside ourselves. Jesus changes everything. That implies that something is broken. How are we going to fix that which is broken? I saw my brother-in-law Lloyd this week. My brother-in-law Lloyd is a pilot, was a pilot. He was a pilot for 25 years, commercial airline pilot. I, he worked for Continental, and then whatever Continental became, he retired right during that time. And so Lloyd told me that on every airplane, no matter how big, how small, they all have this two instruments that are the same. Doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a 777 or a little Cessna, they all have two instruments that are the same. One is a compass, which makes sense, you know. You want to know if you're going to Flint or Miami. You want to know if you're going to Boston or or Los Angeles, you know, a compass is important. You know, I don't need to be up in the air and sometimes I'm not knowing which direction I'm going. And I so oh, here we go. I get it, a compass is important. Every plane has one. The other thing that every plane has is a horizon. It's a scope, it's a, a circle and it has, has blue on the top and brown on the bottom. Now I thought that was the dumbest instrument of all. I'm figuring if I'm a pilot, I'm going to know if I'm going up into the blue or if I'm going down into the brown. You know, you would think you would know that. And I said to him, I said, well, why in the world do you have that? Don't you know if you're going up or down? You should know if you're going up or down. You don't need to have a degree to know that. And he said, no, when you're in dense fog or when you are in uncharted areas or in a storm, it's easy to get confused, and you can't rely on your eyes. You can't rely on your brain. You have to trust those instruments. So if you don't trust those instruments, you're in trouble. And you can think you're going up, and you're going down. You have to rely on something outside of yourself. That's Jeremiah's message. That's Jesus' message. We can't get 
to where we went to get without Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Someone told me, now I know this context, it makes it feel, and, uh, and I guess I, I've been leading that way. It seems like I'm talking solely about eternal accommodations, and I am, in a part. Um, we do believe in a heaven and a hell. We do believe. I heard someone say this week that every person in heaven or hell all say the same thing. I don't deserve to be here. And I think that's true. You know, we, we who have been saved by grace, right? What's the song? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, was groping in the darkness. But now I see. Amazing grace, that's the only reason why you get to heaven. Not through anything you've done, not through the work. And the flip side, those in hell saying, wait a minute, I followed my heart. I, 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 I looked deep inside. We can't get to where we want to get on our own. We need Jesus. Jesus changes everything. But not just, not just our eternal accommodations. Jesus changes how we look at people today, how we make a difference today, how we, how we respond today, how we go about our, our, our struggles and our trials and our issues today. The psalmist knew that in Psalm 37, said, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Our help, our help comes from the Lord. Jesus changes everything. When Jesus is guiding us, illuminating our path, we're walking in the light as he is in the light, Jesus changes everything. And it implies a daily walk, not a, not a sometime walk, not an occasional walk, not even an every Sunday for one hour a week walk. I, I heard someone calculated that the disciples, if the disciples spent eight hours a day for, for three years with Jesus, and probably they spent more than eight hours a day with Jesus, but let's just do their math, eight hours a day for three years, that calculates to 8,000 hours with Jesus. After 8,000 hours with Jesus, guess what? They still failed, they still failed, they still betrayed him, they still ran off. 8,000 hours. Do you know how long it would take? If, if your Christian experience is this one hour, and let's say I'm long-winded, let's even make it two hours. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep you two hours, don't worry about it. But let's just assume, for argument's sake, two hours. Do you know how long it would take you to, to tally up 8,000 hours with Jesus if you're only doing two hours a week? 77 years. It can't be that. It can't be just this hour. It's, it's daily trusting Jesus. It's daily. What did Jesus say? Daily pick up your cross and follow me. It's looking at him for our hope. And, 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 every, and Jesus wants to be there. Jesus changes everything. Jesus wants to be there. See, our human dilemma is we are living in a broken world. We ourselves are living in a brokenness. We need Jesus. Here's the human dilemma. Humans are, are, are not self-originating. Every single person I've met, I can tell you this one thing about them. Doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter the language they speak, doesn't matter the color of their skin, Every single person that I ever bump into, I know this. They've got a mom and a dad that started the whole thing. Maybe their parents left them. 
Maybe their parents abandoned them. Maybe they didn't even know their parents. But in the very, very, very beginning, there was a man and a woman. We are not self-originating. We are not self-sustaining. You need food. Jesus went, what, 40 days without food? People can go, I guess, 40 days, fast, 45 days maybe. But eventually you need food to survive. You need water. You can't go, you can't go but a few days. You need to be well hydrated. That's what every doctor is telling you. You need water to survive. We need oxygen. You can only go, they say, after four minutes, brain damage occurs. They add another four to six minutes after that death occurs. We need oxygen. We're not self-originating. We're not self-sustaining. We're not self-fulfilling. I can't fulfill just my life, just me. The happiest, most joyful people are those that are helping others. Those that see that life is beyond themselves and they're making a difference in others' lives. We're not self-originating. We're not self-sustaining. We're not self-fulfilling. We need Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And God, on the other hand, God is self-originating. Everyone's asked, you know, who, who, who came before God? Did God have somebody make God? No, God is not self God is self-originating. God is self-sustaining. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need air. And God, our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is self-fulfilling. God is love. And together in perfect harmony, the triune God is self-fulfilling. And here's this. We got to go. Here's the best news you'll hear all year. You got 51 weeks to dispute it, but I don't think you will. This God Almighty, triune God, invites us to experience his perfect love. And that perfect love in the person of Jesus Christ truly changes everything. When we allow Jesus and his love to so empower our life, it doesn't fix everything, you know, If you run out of gas, you're going to run out of gas. But it changes everything. It changes our outlook. Jesus changes our our direction. Jesus changes our attitude. Jesus changes the way we we think about things. Jesus changes our priorities. Jesus changes the way we spend our time or our energies or our money. Jesus changes everything. And Jesus brings, oh, what's the old hymn? We used to sing it. Jesus brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. That means means even when life stinks, deep down I know I've got Jesus and with him on my side, he's going to see me through. Jesus changes everything. He gets us where we can't get on our own. He takes us to places we can't go on our own. We follow his light, walk in his light, and Jesus changes everything. God, in his great love, sent Jesus Christ to this world who went to a cross so that you might experience life, he said, and experience it to the full. You know, the best thing you can do as we're starting off this year is to recognize that Jesus changes everything in your heart and life. He'll do it, even today. I'm going to have our team come up, and they're just going to sing this old hymn. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Maybe, Maybe you've been trying to get to where you want to get all on your own. It doesn't work. Just let Jesus help you. 
And sometimes that means just taking that first step out and saying, I'm going to trust Jesus and go with him. So why don't you stand? And if you want to come down here and pray, take a step saying, Jesus, in 2023, it's going to be your year. I need you to change everything in my, I need you to change some things in my life. And I'm giving it all over to you. As we sing this, if you want to pray, by all means, you have an opportunity to do that.